Engineers Without Borders UK are working to reach the tipping point to ensure a safe and just future for all. Part of a global movement of over 60 Engineers Without Borders organizations, they inspire, upskill and drive change in the engineering community and together take action to put global responsibility at the heart of engineering. Materials Inside podcast by Goodfellow are proud to support this cause. Welcome to the Materials Inside podcast by Goodfellow, the podcast that will bring materials knowledge, science and engineering together in the same podcast. Goodfellow is a UK company based in Huntingdon that supplies over 70,000 materials to different industries all around the world. Their team of scientists, engineers, sales and marketing experts want to make the materials world accessible to everyone. During the next few months, we will be talking about materials from aluminium to zinc for applications from satellites to planes, cars and ventilators, pieces of art and furniture. How do we link it all? Wait and see. Or even better, listen to our podcasts. Presented by Joel Alexo, the Global Marketing Manager of Goodfellow, he will be speaking with a range of guests from industry professionals, public figures, engineers and Goodfellow's own experts. These include series regulars Aphrodite Tomu, Goodfellow's technical manager, who's a material scientist and engineer holding a PhD in nanocomposites and a master's in nanomaterials and metal-thin films, and Adam Sells, sales manager with a degree in chemistry responsible for a team of business development managers working with customers around the world. Materials Inside, with Goodfellow's backing, will be supporting a charity throughout each series. This week, we are not talking about any specific material, but instead, we are talking about British Touring Cars and the British Touring Car Championship. For the first time, I have invited a guest presenter onto the podcast. George Brabner is a young motorsport enthusiast who has created a successful series of blogs. Later, he will be talking with the three BTC drivers and a BTC engineer. Josh Cook has been racing for BTC since 2019 and has become a fan favourite. Josh has performed well in both 2019 and 2020 seasons and will be looking to build on this success in the coming year. Jade Edwards is a third generation driver who has already built a strong record since she started her driving career back in 2006. Jade joined the BTC team this season and is already looking strong. Senna Proctor is a late arrival to the 2021 season, but with a credible racing history and a strong start to this season, Senna is looking like a promising addition to the BTC team. George will also be talking to BTC mechanic Steve Brady. Steve has first-hand experience of the technical difficulties that come with racing. An expert in his field, Steve has fascinating insights into the sport. But first, I'm joined by Steve Dudman, BTC team owner. Steve has had a fascinating career that started at 14 racing motocross. With a successful business career in between, Steve became the owner of the BTC team in 2018. Hello Steve, thank you very much for your time today. Hello John. So, um, did your interest in racing start as a hobby? Uh, and at what point did it turn in a career? So I started racing 
motorbikes originally and motocross uh, when I was uh, 12. And I had a big accident at 14, which my father had to take uh, a half a day off work to come and collect me from a hospital in Kent, um, where he, he promptly made me sell my bike. So then I got into cars and I raced on the grass uh, initially in cars at 15 and built my own cars right from the, from the word go. And I progressed from work, racing on, on grass track to short ovals. Then I progressed into Formula Fords when I was 18. And my boss witnessed a big accident in Formula Fords because he bought the car and uh, he, he panicked. So he stopped that. So I went back to my oval racing and then I continued in oval racing and then it became more of a passion. Uh, and I've, uh, I've raced all around the world. I'm very fortunate to race the world, but no matter what I've ever done, first things has always come the business. So if the business calls, I don't go racing. And, uh, and then of course, BTC appear as yeah, so, so my, my progress of my own career, I had four racing cars that I was about to launch into in 2018, uh, which I began to do and enjoy my racing. I had a brand spanking new uh, race truck built uh, to be able to take part in, in, in my, all of my racing. And, um, and I went to a 2018 Donington meeting with um, uh, the race team as it was by previous owners and previous management and um, I sort of caught the bug a little bit uh, and uh, later on that year I was being asked for my advice about finance and about structure and I could quite see that they were in a fair bit of trouble um, the business then is nothing like it is today and so I ended up in 2018 buying the assets of that team and BTC Racing was born. The next question is, what do you do at BTC now? So BTC Racing is a platform for us where we enjoy, obviously, our motorsport. And it, and it is uh, a fledgling business that I would like to see uh, continue to develop in, in motorsport. This year, as you will have witnessed when you came in today, we have now a mini racing team in the Mini Challenge Series. And so our business is beginning to broaden. And for next year, we have uh, uh, another formula as well, which is, is coming to fruition as well, that will run from the race shop. BTC will continue to be an independent team that's seen throughout motorsport as being a competitor to the manufacturing teams and to those that um, think that it, it, if it can be done, then they've got opportunity to do so, uh, you know, as independents. And as a sponsor, good fellow, uh, um, and, and this question is going to be an interesting one because I think both of us were involved on this one, but uh, from your side, how did that happen? How did the sponsorship start? So, so Goodfellow, of course, um, has got an amazing platform around the world of, of materials and products which are uh, leading edge. Uh, with your involvement with people like NASA, uh, you became apparent to us of exactly uh, um, you've got phenomenal inf infrastructure, um, and it was of interest uh, to us. And uh, and and I believe that uh, you know the working relationship was spawned by the fact that you've got a product 
we've got a use. Well, how does the rest of the team see this this partnership, this sponsorship from Goodfellow? Until they they understand, you know, we have a core business, we have a core number of people, don't we, at our Brackley race shop, and they understand it. The engineers understand it, and so it's it's to do. We need to develop uh, products on the car, and we need to come to you when we're ready to develop them, and then it's down to you guys to try and find us a solution, isn't it? Yes, that's what we try to do, and I think is 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 really interesting for us to and for our technical team is has been really interesting uh, the last of course last year over year now uh, and and it's great because it's, it's a challenge for us to and and then the team you know spend yeah. hours thinking about yeah. how can we how can we do for this? Us, for us the the championship does restrict us quite heavily on what we can do and what we can change what we're now learning about is every every year we will develop three or four things and Goodfellow is going to be part and parcel of that transition every time we develop a new product somewhere along the line I'm sure that Goodfellow will assist us be here for 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 you and for the team to help with that now talking about the team and uh, and uh, of course we just had uh, some new drivers this year uh, joining the team how does the process uh, to select new drivers um, happen at uh, BTC Racing it's a little bit different here. Um, I'm 50% philanthropist as well as businessman. So when you've got individuals such as Jade Edwards, I saw Jade as a, a woman that had got great potential. She's got tremendous um, history within her family of having racing genes. And you can see with everything she, she does, she's highly professional and she's focused. And she needed a break and she needed some help because otherwise she wouldn't fulfill her career. And she's been working hard for years to try and get herself up on the platform. And uh, I admired her, you know? And so I decided that because we had an opportunity uh, with, with drivers, that one that uh, left and one that couldn't raise his budget, um, I gave her an opportunity and I took the risk from Brands Hatch, everybody will see who her new sponsor is and that will be very surprising for a lot of people and uh, she will enjoy the fruits of that for two years and so we have not only secured her position for this year and we secured her position for next year. So so Senna has come in, uh, he was he was, um, he was out he was out of a drive this year and I raced against his father uh, Mark so we had a we had a relationship and because we were let down last minute um, by the previous driver from last year we had to fill a gap quickly I did it with Dan Camish for a guest meeting and Senna's come on board he's an incredibly intelligent young man he's got a great deal of understanding of car setup and we're looking forward to working with him and uh, the fruits of that will start to show themselves. What are your plans for the future in regards to BTC? So BTC this year will continue to develop its mini platform uh, as well as its touring car platform and we are um, continuing to broaden its horizons with greater involvement with other sponsors. You'll see more and more sponsors that uh, enter, the, uh, enter the pit lane with us uh, during the year. And I hope for next year and the year after and the year after that that BTC will continue to 
develop its racing uh, platform, even to the extent of I would, it wouldn't put anything past me to go and do something even greater than BTCC. George Brabner is a motorsport enthusiast and a blog writer at the Sim Grid. I invited him to join me at Snetterton last month to interview the BTC racers and engineer. But before we get to that, I'm back with George today to learn a little bit more about him and what he does. George is only 15, but has already achieved quite a lot. Hello, George. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how long have you been interested in motorsports? So I'm a really, really big motorsport fan and I'm really into my sim racing as well. So day to day, I kind of, you know, I'm all over motorsport. So everything I do is all kind of related to that. And then in my spare time, I uh, race online, so virtually, where I'm involved in lots of different communities. And yeah, that's when I got into my writing at the SimGrid. What is that that you love the most about motorsports and BTCC in particular? I really like the fast-paced environment and the competitive nature of it. And then BTCC is exactly that in a series. It's close, it's hard, and it's super competitive. So it's everything you would want to look for in a series. How did you get involved in blog writing? So as a part of all of those communities that I mentioned earlier with the Sungrid, they had interest in starting a blog to cover their events, uh, interviews with drivers, and then announcements. So they put out a message once and... I've been really interested in journalism and getting started into that industry somewhere. So I decided to give it a go to see if I could get the place and it was successful. So I've been writing there since October last year and I've been going well ever since. I'm talking about your blog. What type of content people can um, expect from it? The blog covers all the events that the Sungrid host and... We'll cover those in the form of race reports. We then also do interviews with drivers and kind of behind-the-scenes content where we'll then also post about announcements. So any news from the single, whether it be events or anything like that, that's where you'll find it. With all the recent environmental concerns, how do you see the future of motorsports? Is electric the future in this field? I definitely think electric power is the future. We've seen Formula E and then new series like Extremely have all come onto the scene fully powered by electricity and you know as the car industry moves that way too motorsport is only going to follow so it's definitely going to be where we head. Has there been an increase in female races over the recent years? Well in motorsport in general there's always been that issue that there's a bit of a lack of diversity and at the Sungrid the More Female Races series aims to combat that. Um, to you know, encourage more female drivers into sim racing and therefore motorsport as a whole. And how inclusive has racing been historically and has there been any changes recently? Well, it definitely hasn't been in the past. I mean, we've only seen a handful of female drivers get to Formula One, for example. And you know, as shown with recent reports, diversity is definitely a problem. And you know, there should definitely be more done to combat that and in the future especially with series like W Series that's sure to change. Talking a little bit more about you again, is motorsports something you may be interested in getting into yourself in the future? 100% it's something that I've loved ever since I was a child and is something I want to work in in the future it's kind of my dream area What does the future hold for you? Your studies and your blog? 
Well, I would definitely like to build on my current work at the Simgrid and take that further into journalism and that area of motorsport because it's something I've always been interested in and, yeah, it's what I want to work on. Well, thank you for your help at Snetterton. And how was your day there? I really enjoyed it. It was a great experience to speak to the drivers and, you know, get their thoughts on racing and, you know, how Goodfellow can help them. George, thank you very much for your time. We're going to leave the links for your blog uh, on, on the end of the podcast. Um, thank you for spending the day with us in Snetterton and thank you for today. Thank you. As society moves towards the deadline to meet the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, Engineers Without Borders UK will inspire the engineer community to commit to global responsibility. They will upskill, equipping people to put purpose into practice, and they will drive change, collaborating with companies, universities, and a wide variety of organizations to accelerate globally responsible engineering to become mainstream. My name is uh, Katie Cresswell Maynard. I'm the Chief Executive of Engineers Without Borders UK. So the reason I became an engineer was because I always wanted to do something that would make a difference. That would make a difference to the planet, that would make a difference to the people that live on this planet. Not just today, but for generations to come. And for me, engineering was exactly that. Uh, I could see that I could use both the creative side of my mind as well as my, uh, my interest for science and, and maths, um, but bring them together in a way that I could actually focus all of my attention on making the world a better place. At Engineers Without Borders, a big part of what we do is about putting global responsibility at the heart of engineering decision making. The reason that we think that this is important is because engineering is actually a uniquely global profession. The decisions of engineers, wherever they're working, whatever projects they're working on, and wherever those projects are, have both a local and global impact. Especially if we think about civil engineers. So if you think about what a civil engineer does, the type of projects they work on, just down to the very materials that they source to build the buildings that, they, uh, that they've designed, those materials will have been dug out of the ground somewhere else in the world and had both environmental and social impact. So much so that apparently, we, as in human beings, are responsible for moving more natural resources every single year than nature itself. I think that's amazing, I think that's inspiring, but along with that comes a great sense of responsibility. And so if you're interested in making a difference to change the lives of people now and in years to come, then why don't you also consider becoming one of these invisible superheroes? Become an engineer and make a difference. Hello, my name is George Browner and I'm a blog writer for Virtual Racing League, The SimGrid. Today we are at Snetterton and we're going to be interviewing the BTC Racing trio of Jade Edwards, Josh Cook and Senna Proctor. We're going to be going through what preparation is like before races, what it's like actually out and you know preparing for those and making the most of your practice sessions and then into qualifying in the race. How much can, say you have a mechanical issue and miss out on running, how much can that really affect your round? Although we get quite a lot of uh, what seems like a lot of running, you know, we get two 40-minute sessions, two 45-minute sessions sometimes on a on a Saturday before qualifying. By the time we've gone through all of our housekeeping, you know, bedding our brakes, doing everything like that, uh, checking that all the all the components are working correctly, that time soon runs out. So any sort of hiccup that you that you get in that time can really 
stop the momentum, you know, hinder you uh, and hinder your progress on a weekend, which is why you know our technical partners of the team are so important to us because anything that we can do to ensure that we have got a reliable car that's working to the best of its ability um, is is really crucial for us and we've been in a position where, where where we do get issues you know this is motorsport things go wrong with with the cars but i think it's about how you rectify those issues and we've got an incredible team behind us who you know they, they've never failed to get a car back out regardless of how, how damaged or any issues that we've had so i think it's um you know it's a huge thing for for us as drivers to know that we've got that confidence behind us so then you know being being on track being out there with other drivers other other teams and being able to learn the track with each other you know, how much of a part does that play in getting your pace up? Yeah, any team that's got, say, a one-car team is going to be lacking in comparison to a team that's got multiple cars. I, I know that for a fact coming in here, I've got so much to learn that obviously with, with teammates around me, it means that I can overlay data. And not only that, actually on track, you can sit behind them and follow them and, and learn and, um, and, and visually see the differences on how they drive compared to you. When, when you don't have that teammate, um, it's a real struggle because it's just a personal sort of journey yourself and you've just got to try to improve on your own. But um, with people around you, like the teammates I've got, it sort of drags you along and, and makes that learning process a lot shorter. Is there some kind of quirky features with Snetterton that you will have to work together to get over? Uh, yeah, Snetterton, Snetterton's a beast in itself, you know, there's, there's, it's, it's a difficult, especially for me, it's a difficult track for me to come to some of my first event, you know, the, the hairpins are, are very difficult, and you know, you've got you've got the hairpins, you've got the mid-speed corners, you've got the high-speed corners, um, one one thing that I always struggle with is the mid-speed corners, um, you know, just, just getting the balance, you know, where you don't have a downshift and you're not stopping the car and trying to get the exit, it's all, you know, about keeping the speed flowing, so... I suppose you know with Josh with the ballast, it's very hard to it's very hard to you know really massively compare our, our cars because he's making some compensations for the weight. Um, so you know for me it's just it's just all about you know just just chipping away at it and you know really as as we've discussed before the the, the free car team working towards working towards the end goal. You know we can we can throw something on Jade's car and she can try that and then and then that might be going on my car in the next session if I have a similar issue to her. So it's uh, very important to have a, a great team behind you. Um, as Josh said, you know the, the, that's what really separates the 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 top teams and the you know maybe maybe not so good teams that are, that just miss out on them little bits of preparation and and the reliability of the car. So then. You know, as you're as you're getting ready for the race and everything's ramping up, what's that like mentally? Having to deal with all the, deal with the pressure of you know you've got the media around there, you've got each other. I imagine pushing each other to do the best you can, and then you have your own interests and the team. What's it like balancing all of that? Uh, I think ultimately, as as drivers in this style of championship, it's a, it's a sprint race. You know, there's a there's a drivers championship is the main goal. That's what we're all there for. You know, I want to win. I want to beat my teammates. That's that's you know the 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 initial part of it. But if I can't go and win, then I absolutely want one of them to take it. Um, but you know, there's we'd never. I think none of us would ever try and win at the expense of of somebody else's weekend. So there's a really good team spirit. Um, so it's uh, yeah, it's an incredibly competitive championship. Um, so I just think us us working together. Uh, and us trying to move move the team forward as a as a trio is crucial. Thank you, Josh, Jade, and Senna, and good luck for the rest of the season. As well as speaking to the three BTC racing drivers, I'm also here with head engineer at BTC Racing, Steve Brady.
So being a BTC mechanic must be quite a fast-paced environment. Uh, is that something that you enjoy? It's always nice to have a challenge on each weekend. Um, we do it for the for the love of it, but we do it for the sport and the competitiveness. So, and it just happens to be high-paced. That just goes along with it. Of course, that will be quite challenging for you. Uh, what has been your biggest engineering challenge today? It's always a new challenge. I think doing some of the repairs we do at the track have been the bigger challenges. Getting the car back out after a big shunt and then the mechanics and the lads working on the car are very good at getting the car back out together and I've got to try and make the car competitive once it's bent and that can be the biggest challenge over the weekend of what you do with what's left with the car. Is that where you know materials sponsors like Goodfellow step in and can help you out? They're very helpful um, in getting us the right materials in the car so the car holds up in one place in the, in the first place before the shunt but also it's not about making a car that is incredibly strong it's got to absorb the accident so there's a lot of factors that go involved in it and those material factors are what really makes the car repairable and sustain the shunts mm, as you mentioned with like crashes um ha- obviously safety is quite a concern in most sport as it's you know high speed and can go quite badly wrong but how has goodfellow's advice and support been able to help that uh, we've we've done a few projects um, through the time making the cars reliable and sustain accident damage. We've looked into different materials that will flex rather than crack, and those are the parts we need the expertise to help us with because their book of materials is way too big for me to read through. You need the um, experts there to um, help find us the ones that work. What what kind of materials are safety devices made of? Uh, generally, our car is the in the carbon fiber crash structures and then the aluminium absorption bars and then we're just working through the rules of what we're allowed to use in different materials they try and remove a lot of the exotic materials out of our way but there's certain areas where they can be used and that's where we've got to um, take advantage of it so how does how does that actually help the safety safety is obviously keeping the driver in the safest possible condition which isn't making a solid shell around him you've got to absorb the shunt so the g-force going through the driver's body is at a minimum so at that point we need to absorb every um, accident that happens every impact that happens and then at the same time i want the car to maintain in a straight fashion that if the crash isn't that big the car can carry on so it's a real fine line between holding the car together and making sure the driver doesn't absorb too much g-force through him so then last season we had a episode on 3D printing and you know went through how it can be used in so many industries. Have you ever used 3D printing to help for the car? We have a few components in the car, um, mainly things that we want to change the design of in a, in a quick fashion. The materials are getting better all the time with it, we're making more permanent parts but it's great for testing when we want to try a, a single component or a different shaped device. A lot of it is to do with the surfaces inside the car that touch the airflow, where we want to manipulate the air and where it goes. Being able to change the part design quickly is a big advantage. And now some of the materials are getting strong enough that we can actually make permanent parts out of it. And that saves us tooling cost of moulds and other um, fabrication equipment. So which of those materials do Goodfellow supply for you? That comes down to the buyers. I think when I leave that one to it, I think that we've, we've gone through a lot of the um, uh, rapid prototype stuff is all sort of in the intake area and things in the cars and I'm not privy to that information of which bits go where. Of course when you have so many different components if it can, if it's a full one-time use then you know that can get quickly expensive. Have you ever needed to look into recycling options? We've got a big parts um, on the shelf that are damaged we repair a lot of the bodywork panels 
on a weekly basis. We repair the wheels on a, on, a, on a cycling thing. So we do a lot of our own repair work as much as we can. Once the carts become unrepairable, then, then, they're, then they're recycled to the best of their ability. A lot of the fiberglass and the carbon things can be broken down. The metal will all get sent off to the normal um, surfaces. But we try to salvage as many bits as possible. We try not to make any parts on the car disposable. It just it's a cost and environmental saving along the run. So then as time goes on and we progress um, towards a seemingly electric future, how, for an engineer, how will electric cars change the industry? As the road car industry changes, we, we follow along. We have to be relevant to what the public are driving on the road. So we've got hybrid coming into touring cars uh, next season with a... Um, electric motor over petrol engine as most hybrid cars on the road are. The full electric versions at the moment are away from being cost effective on the national level but they're coming and it's, it's an interesting era of motorsport. It's maybe not the, the be all and end all. We may end up with a different power supply in five, ten years time but it's the current challenge and everyone's working on it and trying to make it as effective and cost effective as possible for everyone to do. Do you think that eventually electrical drivetrains will take over motorsport? kind of hope that it won't take over completely. Um, I've seen some hydrogen powertrains coming through now, which um, run more conventional and in which standard is still cheaper. At the moment, the battery cost and the motor cost is so absorbent that we need that to come down to make the cars more um, effective for us to run. And we also need to make sure that they can run for longer races. We've seen Formula E have the two car races at the start, then go to single cars, it's all getting better but their budgets went into the millions and we need a function that we can do this on the same budget we're running the current engines at. At that point, then the electric will be the future. So you touched on hydrogen power. Will that eventually take over and how does that tie in? I've heard the rumours and I've seen a few cars testing. There's cars trying to get to Le Mans under hydrogen power coming um, coming in the next few years. Um, it comes down to a safety level of the tanks and things involved in it and well, they work out the best way, but things in this era move so quickly. But with the touring car, we're gonna follow the road cars. So as the manufacturers choose their options, we'll be following along behind them, and hopefully as close to them as possible. Thank you for your time, Steve. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can access all the information on the website www.materialshub.com forward slash podcast. The images and any case studies mentioned can also be found at goodfellow.com. This podcast is also available on alternative podcast directories, including Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, Deezer, TuneIn, Overcast, and many more. Materials Insight podcast by Goodfellow are proud to support Engineers Without Borders UK. And whether you are an engineer, academic, university student, 
or involved with engineering in any way, Engineers Without Borders UK want and need you to be part of this movement for change. Make the commitment to global responsibility today and join the movement by visiting www.ewb-uk.org.